Hey, it's Brandon here and I have some big news. Seven Figure Millennials is now beyond curious. I am so excited for this new brand and I would highly encourage you to go check out episode number 140 for all of the juicy details. But as a teaser for episode 140, the central question for Seven Figure Millennials, the original show from the beginning was, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? I spent over 1,000 hours researching this question and published 139 episodes. And after all of that, I have an answer. And I put together that answer in a legit masterclass that weaves together clips from previous guests all to answer that question. So if you wanna hear my answer, the why behind Beyond Curious and the vision moving forward, go check out episode number 140. But you are here listening to this episode, which I know is amazing, but I would just highly recommend you also check out episode number 140 for the full explanation behind the rebrand. All right, here's your episode. Well, hello there, my friend, and welcome to today's episode of Seven Figure Millennials, where together you and I are choosing to do things differently. We are choosing, we are committing to prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships while we build a business that creates a meaningful impact in the lives of the people that we love and generates the wealth for us to design a beautiful life on our terms. And if you are here as a seasoned listener or a first time listener, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you for taking time out of your day, whether you are running, whether you are washing dishes, whether you are, I don't know what else you're doing, but (laughs) thank you for taking time out of your day to expand and grow. It really means so much to have you here. And every single week, what I do is I, I invest a lot of time to research and interview incredible humans making a massive impact in the world so that I can share their best insights with you to make a impact in your way that is important for you. So I'm super grateful and excited to have you here on this journey with me. And today's guest is someone I'm super excited to introduce you to. His name is Waira Mendoza Angle. And in this episode, you're going to learn so much, but I want you to look out for three specific things. Number one, why Waira credits entrepreneurship for literally saving his life. Number two, how Waira has built his life to be a full-time digital nomad where he gets to go on peak experiences with his family and pay attention to the massive fireworks story that we talk about. (laughs) And number three, I want you to look out for the biggest lessons that Waira has learned from his entrepreneurial mistakes that have costed him well over $1 million. At this point, you're probably wondering who the heck is Waira? Well, Waira is a lifelong serial entrepreneur and the CEO of the Entrepreneur Brotherhood, where they provide support and accountability groups to help entrepreneur men reach their full potential in all areas of their life. Waira has overcome crime, addiction, depression, anxiety, and multiple failed ventures before eventually building two seven-figure businesses. He believes that entrepreneurship can be an incredible vehicle for personal growth and transformation, and his mission is to help visionary leaders transform themselves so that they can build businesses that transform the world. I am so grateful for having Waira in my life, and shout out to Jana Lee for introducing the two of of us, but the very first time I had a conversation with Waira, I'm like, this is one freaking special human, and uh, we just hit it off, and so I'm really grateful for the conversations that we've had, and I'm really excited to introduce him to you today. So without any further ado, here is my episode with my friend, Waira Mendoza Angle. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, 
B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast. Mr. Waira Mendoza Angle, super excited to have you here, my friend. This is going to be so much fun. I already know it. Yeah, man. Stoked to be here. You and I have the best conversations, and every single time I leave, I feel energized. And I think lots of times I, I finish a conversation I have with you, and I'm like, damn, I really wish people could hear this. So now we finally have a chance to have a recorded conversation where people do get to hear it. And I always love starting off with stories that I think represent the people that I get to hang out with and, and interview on the show. And so the last time we talked, you shared this absolutely beautiful story of a recent memory that you had with your family. And so I'd actually love to start here. So it's in, in New Year's Eve, 2020, 2022, <laughs> you had an incredible experience with your family. would love for you to maybe share a little bit about what happened uh, that day and maybe the day after. Yeah, man, that, that sounds great. So this was a big deal this last uh, vacation because it was actually our first family vacation outside of Canada where we all grew up and we'd always wanted to do it growing up, always wanted to have that kind of family vacation in Mexico and never really had the the money or the time or the ability to do that as a family. So this was a big deal and uh, and had my mom out and both of my younger brothers in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. And uh, New Year's Eve, we were looking for something to do. My brothers and I had just finished up at the gym and we were driving back to our Airbnb to meet up with our mom. And we we're like, let's find some fireworks. Where can we buy fireworks? And there's everywhere in uh, in Mexico that is lighting them off all the time. And so we're driving down the road. We look to the right and there's this little stall like from this lady's house. And she's got a table. She's got all these fireworks. We're like, sweet. Okay, we found fireworks. That was so easy. And I uh, just got like all these, I don't know if fireworks that well, but like little little uh, rockets and, and other things. And then beside the table, the size of the table, there's this one giant rocket. And we're like, <laughs> we want that one. That's the one that we want to get. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's like $200 Canadian, which is really expensive for, for Mexico standards. So we bought that and uh, brought that home to mom. And it's like, mom, we're going to have a New Year's Eve Eve together. So we ran to the beach and and uh lit this thing off and it was it was insane it was like a commercial grade rocket that when you light it it the the flash was just insanity so uh did that that was fun uh connected with with the fam and then uh, next day we we did some meditation and uh some some inner work some rape which is a uh a tobacco medicine from south america it's great for for grounding and, and centering uh in the body and, and so that was my uh, my new year's with the family it's a great vacation I think it's so beautiful because it represents who you are on so many levels. Like you are someone that is motivated by having incredibly deep experiences with people that you love, a little bit of uh, tomfoolery, as you had put it, <laughs> a little bit of shenanigans. And I, I wanted to, how tall is your mom? Is your mom like a, a shorter short. woman, taller? She's, okay. She's so like, short. was this, yeah. was this rocket like as tall as she was? I just try to picture like it's this rocket just, being just about. Not, not quite, but it was, uh, I can wish I got, I can send you a picture. I'll do that after. But like when my brother was holding it, it was like big, it was like as big as, as his shoulders and bigger. It's pretty cool. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And as you said, too, I think it was a special moment in many ways, because you said you had always kind of dreamed of being able to do that kind of a vacation with your family. And I, I totally, that story resonates with me on so many levels, because I took my family when I was doing my year of traveling, and we went to London, it was my first family trip internationally. My dad's like a worry ward of travel all the time. So we took him to a country where they spoke English, <laughs> but, but I, I, I know how rewarding and how cool that is to be able to spend some, some quality time. And uh, like you said, I think it represented a lot more than just getting people together. It was, a, it was a way of you bringing your family together in a whole new way. So let's dive a little bit more into the context behind your family. I know uh, you and I have talked a lot about how entrepreneurship and personal development has changed both of our lives. And um, I know that when we've we've talked and we've gone deep on this, you've talked about how as a teen, you got into a bunch of trouble and it's kind of a miracle that you survived <laughs> and graduated high school and kind of entrepreneurship was one of these things that was able to transform your life and allow you to go deep and create these experiences with people you love and travel full-time as maybe we'll get into some of your nomading, but, but give us a little bit of a glimpse of early Waira. What was some of those early teen uh, experiences like for you? Yeah, it was, it was rocky, man. It was, uh, you know, it's actually really great as a, as a kid growing up, I went to a, a very, uh, very alternative private school called Waldorf. And so it's kind of kind of isolated, had my crew, had my community, and then ended up going to public school when I was going into grade seven, was 12. And that's where things kind of started to get get rocky, uh, got bullied a lot and just did not feel like I fit in at all. And after a year of that, I, I kind of got hardened. I was like, well, if I'm not going to be liked or not going to feel like I'm going to fit in, then I'm just going to build this persona of being uh, as much of a badass troublemaker rebel as I can be, because if they won't like me, then at least they'll respect me and maybe be afraid of me or or in some sense. And so that was like the the persona that I, I built. And from the time that I was maybe 14, 15 to 17, there's a good two, three years there where, yeah, I got, got into you know, doing drugs and partying and, and selling things that I shouldn't be selling. And um, just generally disrespecting my my teachers and doing anything that I could to give a big f you to to the world and to authority and so uh, that that was kind of a, a rocky few years at home and in school and got kicked out of a couple of different schools and and uh, yeah it was a weird time. I'm I'm picturing I recently watched the Breakfast Club. Have you seen it? I know it's like a it's an older. Quote unquote older, some older. Okay. But like they, they have like the five kids that come and they're going through detention. One of these kids is like this, this F you, I don't give a shit. So I'm just picturing that character as Waira, <laughs> maybe the more uh uh ethnic version of the <laughs> of that guy, but I, I could totally see that. So where so where does entrepreneurship come into play for you? Because I know this was one of the things that was your first time to hit your stride. So where did that enter the picture and how did you make that transition to like not caring about anything to like actually creating something that was meaningful in the world? Yeah, so I guess I'd say I'd always had a lot of entrepreneurial energy and that's kind of what got me in in trouble as a as a teenager. It's like, hey, I want to make money. I don't want a job. What can I sell? It's going to be valuable <laughs> to other people. Drugs, right? Or stolen things. <laughs> Um, and so that that's kind of what got me, I guess, started in, in that path. And um, and really before even entrepreneurship, I guess I had my first big kind of dark night of the soul or rock bottom where I just reanalyzed everything in my life and who I was being and how I was showing up. And that was really the day that I got caught 
selling drugs in grade 11 at my high school. And they said, you're not allowed to come here anymore. And you're actually not even allowed to come to the school district anymore. And I just remember standing in the principal's office and, and just like tears streaming down my head. I was in handcuffs and I felt like such a failure and felt so much guilt because my mom, who's a teacher in the school district, uh, had just vouched for me and, and just done everything to support me. And so in that moment, uh, th that, that emotion was so intense. I was like, no, I need to, I need to make a change. I need to change something. And so within three months, I had like cut out all the, the friends and the people that I was associated with. I had gotten accepted to a different school. Um, I had to write a big essay to the principal and like prove that I wanted it. Uh, started working out and, and working on myself and getting into personal development and, and that kind of stuff. And so that was the first time that I really proved to myself, like, if I want to change, I can do that. And that was a really pivotal moment for the rest of my life, because I've gone through many more of those, those like critical moments. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that led me, led me to, to go to college and, and ended up dropping out of college because I just, I, I was not for me going to be a civil engineer working for somebody else. And and uh, through college, I discovered uh, entrepreneurship, discovered online marketing, and uh, and these guys that were in their you know twenties and thirties building multiple six and seven figure businesses. It just blew my mind that that was actually possible because it was not something I'd been exposed to. Um, so that's when I decided to drop out of school and and just jump into to learning how to do business. I, think I was ni 19, 19, 20, something like that. That's crazy. Part of me wishes that I had dropped out <laughs> and had the extra few years that I had spent in college, even though I use college very effectively. But that's so cool that you just saw that in you, that you weren't cut out for a cubicle monkey job and you had that faith in yourself. I'm going to toss a name out here. I don't know if this fits in approximately here or later, but, and I might butcher his last name too, but Doug McKenge. Who was Doug McKenge? <laughs> Doug is, uh, Doug came in a few years later. He, he was, uh, my first executive coach and uh, one of my first uh, deep mentors. Uh, he's, he's amazing. He's an older guy. He's in his 70s. He's got deep wisdom. He's been an executive coach for CEOs and startup founders for like 20 or 30 years. And uh, yeah, he was he was my first executive coach, I think when I was 20, 22, 22 or 23. And I had just acquired the company that I was working for. It was a DJ talent agency. And I'd been DJing for that company since high school and doing marketing and doing sales for that company. And I was like so far in over my head. So I just committed to buying this business and uh, I needed support. So I, I brought in Doug and, and he's been a, a great mentor ever since. Hmm. And correct, correct me if I'm wrong, and we can kind of jump back and forth between kind of your earlier experiences and kind of, because I want to get into just plant a seed shadow work. Uh, I know you and I are super into like uncovering like the unconscious narratives that are kind of controlling our lives and that kind of stuff. But um, correct me if I'm wrong, but like Doug was kind of like almost like a father figure for you in many senses of the word. He was like the first person that really kind of saw something in you. So like, what was that like, what was that experience like of being this kid that threw up this persona of like not caring about anyone and then making that shift and then having someone kind of that like invested in you for the first time what was that like yeah so like growing up my my dad was not really present uh, as a as a father and so I didn't really have a lot of strong male role models in my mm. in my life right it was mostly my my grandma and my mom that raised me and so uh I had a a lot of mistrust towards men especially older men and uh, didn't feel comfortable or safe, really uh, opening mm -hmm. up to them. And, and it was kind of like this, 
I guess, intimidated by that older man energy. Uh, and so one of the things that I did in my early 20s was getting into men's work and being in men's groups. And that's actually how I met Doug. Um, and so through that work, being able to learn to trust older men was like learning to trust and accept my own masculinity. It was like my ability to open up and, and let this older guy in who's you know, experienced and got all this business success and coached all these founders and like be vulnerable around him about my fears and the decisions and my thought process and all these things that I've kept very private. Um, that, that was really confronting. But through doing that, I, I think I really accepted myself a lot more, mm -hmm. gained a lot of confidence. Um, and I kind of got connected to my own masculine energy a lot more. So that, that mm -hmm. was powerful. Yeah. You, you alluded to, and you kind of just mentioned men's work, and this is something that I've never participated in, but I, I've heard other people that have like leveraged men's work as, as a really transformational experience for them. And so obviously we have, uh, both guys and gals hanging out with us today, but I think the, the understanding of developing a relationship with people where you can be open and vulnerable and you can share, um, those experiences where you may be just fighting this internal battle with yourself and like having some other people to help you process what that means and kind of transform those unhealthy narratives. So that's my understanding of kind of like the stuff that you do in men's work, but maybe for people that aren't familiar with men's work or this kind of like group work in general, would you mind maybe shedding a light on what that is? Cause I know it's important to what you do today as well. Yeah, for sure. So for me, men's work has been around, has really been about creating space where guys feel safe to expose their minds and their fears and their insecurities and their desires and the the parts of ourselves that we judge as mm -hmm. as bad or, or wrong uh in a in a safe space where it can just be heard and accepted and um supported by by other men so that's that's one part of it um i think women tend to do that a lot more naturally than than guys and especially guys like really high performing entrepreneur guys we tend to be these lone wolves a lot of the time um and so having that space where it's like you you're forced to check in and be honest about what's really going on in your life deeper than the everything is good everything is great things are good in the relationship things are good with work um that a lot of guys can get stuck in so that's one component um, I, I'd say another big component for me has been learning to be comfortable with direct communication and challenge and fire from, from other guys. Um, and we have a saying that iron sharpens iron. So mm. when another man shows up for you, another person shows up for you in a challenging, direct, loving way, like, why, Rick, get your shit together. You're not showing up in alignment with the values that you told us you hold last mm. month or last quarter um it's a mirror for me and and there's a lot of power in that because they can see the the blind spots in a way that that i can't and when mm. they're comfortable calling that out and i'm comfortable receiving it it's like it's potent it's powerful yeah 
let's, so I would love to kind of toggle back. We're, we're going to kind of mix all different components of your <laughs> entrepreneurial journey. Uh, so we'll, we'll maybe it. we'll, we'll revisit some of the men's work and the inner work as well, because anybody that's listened to this show for a period of time knows that one of the quotes that I share almost every show is until you make the unconscious conscious, it will control your life and you will call it fate. And that's uh, Carl Jung. And I think it's just so important love to that. leverage other people your life experience and have that lens to be looking for those unconscious narratives that are driving. And sometimes it yes. requires a space, like exactly like what you're saying for other people to share that with you. But so, so we talked about men's groups and like other groups that, that where people can share that with you. And I know earlier, I kind of alluded to, um, you know, business and entrepreneurship as being the ultimate mirror. Um, and so we, I kind of want to continue building on your entrepreneurial journey as well, but I think you and I have shared this core value. And we connected right away. It's like for me and yourself and without putting words in your mouth, like entrepreneurship is spirituality in many sense of the word for me. Cause it's like, it's, it's a, the best mirror. It's like, you have, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the biggest, here's your shit. And it's like manifested in all these problems or whatever it may be, or misalignment and whatever it is. So I think you have, uh, you're a, a person that is very introspective and is able to leverage these mirrors as transformation, but you have to be aware that that it's a tool first and foremost. So I love to kind of like turn that light switch on for some people that maybe don't fully understand that. So to do that, let's kind of dive back into some of your earlier entrepreneurial journeys and some of the, the wins and failures that you've had along the way. I know one of the first things that you dove into was a DJ business. So maybe share a little bit about like what that whole journey was about. I know you had some powerful lessons there as well. Yeah. So I mean, I've been a DJ since high school, and uh, then I got into the online marketing space. And so while I was trying to start this online marketing agency, I also bought this DJ company and was working with this, this DJ company. And so those two things were kind of happening around the same time. And um, before I bought the DJ business, I, I had been trying to start an online agency for like two years, and it just wasn't working. I wasn't getting anywhere with it. It was just like this hamster wheel of getting one client and then not getting one client and then losing them. And uh, so the first, I guess, real mirror moment that I had to, to look at was those first couple of years when I was trying to build, build the agency. And it wasn't working because I was a mess. I was like drinking and, and partying and doing drugs and like deeply isolated and depressed. And I was trying to start this business, but internally I was not in a, a good place to, to create anything in the world. And so that was reflected to me in the state of my business, non-existent business. Um, and so that was, I guess, the first kind of deep, deep time that the business showed me something about myself. Um, mm. and, and I had some support in terms of coaches and, and mentors that helped me see, hey, how you're showing up, your, your addictions, your limiting beliefs, your uh, your avoidance, your inability to be vulnerable with people, that's like screwing up your ability to actually build anything. Um, and so when I got that and started to do that, more of that inner work and heal those things, that's when I got into men's work. That's when I started to get some traction. And, uh, and that's actually when I, when I ended up buying the, the DJ business. Hmm. And so I think I saw this somewhere in your LinkedIn profile at, at one point, I don't remember what this was tied to, but you lost a million dollars, which is a decent chunk of change. <laughs> was that related to the DJ business or where did that, that shit show come from? <laughs> Yeah. So no, that was uh, a couple of years later, uh, okay. a little bit more, more recently. So, uh, built the, built the DJ company up, COVID started and ended up selling that company because it was not a good time to be in an events business. And it's like, 
like I, I, I can't, I can't do this, man. I can't carry this, this risk. It's too much. Um, at the same time, my, my marketing agency was starting to take off. And so I just put all my focus in, in that. Uh, and, and we built that up to multiple seven figures of, of revenue. Uh, our biggest year was just under 4 million top line revenue. And uh, when I say I lost a million dollars, uh, what I mean by that is we made so many mistakes in building that business and building that agency uh, that it's at least a million dollars or more in terms of lost revenue and and debt that we took on um, and missed opportunity uh, mm. from from all the mistakes that we made. So that's uh, that's how we lost a million dollars. Yeah, well, let's share a little bit here because I think there's lots of gold in what you learned the hard way that we can we can make people maybe avoid some of those mistakes. So maybe just dive in a little bit deeper. What were some of those like, oh my God, I wish I could. Well, maybe you probably wouldn't take it back knowing you. You probably wouldn't take anything back because I know that you're always transforming things. But let's say that somebody doesn't want to go through that. What are what are some of the biggest mistakes that you you made in that experience? Yeah, so I mean, there's, there's so many, but the biggest ones that that cost us the most time and money and just energy were really when we started to scale and we scaled without having the right people in place that was probably the biggest thing is like we were focused so much on trying to solve our own problems getting into that like entrepreneur mindset of i need to be the one to solve the problems and on that problem solving hamster wheel and we lost sight of the bigger picture which is as we're scaling actually the biggest problem we need to solve is building the right team the right who's not how's and uh it, it took us a while and I had to go through some pretty big burnout to figure that out because at one point if you look at our org chart we had like i don't know 15 or 20 people in the company and uh, we had my my two business partners and me, and they were both managing like one or two people. And then the rest of the company was reporting to me. It was like oh, great. 15 or 17 people directly reporting. It was ridiculous. Um, and I, I built that for myself, right? I, I created that situation for myself. Um, so my inability to let go of control, to effectively delegate, uh, to trust other people, to even, even make the right hiring decisions to hire in people that were more skilled than me um those all led to just burnout and just so much missed opportunity um so that was probably the biggest one that that we made when scaling uh keeping keeping the wrong people on the team for too long because mm. we like them or they've been with us for a long time um when they're not actually the right fit for the company anymore that was tough Right, because a lot of these people we had hired and they'd been with us for years, and maybe they were the right fit one day in the beginning or the first year, but the company had outgrown them, and and we had failed to grow them at the rate that they needed to to still be the right fit for the the company, and so we held on to those relationships for a lot longer than we needed to, out of like caretaking, trying to take care of of people that we should have let go and and mm -hmm. uh and replace so those are a couple of big ones i'd say most of the mistakes that we made were like leadership management letting go of control bringing in the right people um i think that's so common for first time or early early entrepreneurs young entrepreneurs i see it so often yeah what are some of the early like leading indicators that you found that that you can now recognize because you see it that would today 
indicate that you should take action and maybe like let someone go from the organization? Like what are some of those kind of like warn early warning signs that you can now recognize that you feel like you weren't able to recognize earlier? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that we, we completely missed was we just didn't even really have the right feedback loops in place hmm. to evaluate the performance of our team. And so that was a big lesson is like, okay, you have to put the right systems and processes in place to get feedback loops on how is this person actually performing in their job? Um, are they hitting the competencies and the outcomes that the organization needs in this position? Um, and so now that I know that, and it's a lot of the work that I do with entrepreneurs that I coach is like putting these types of systems and processes in place so that you can get those early indicators. Um, because if you don't have that, if you don't have that level of clarity of exactly who this position is and measuring that person who's in that role to the, the scorecard and what that ideal version is, then you're just going to make emotional decisions. Like if it's not data driven and feedback mm -hmm. loop driven, then it's going to be emotional. And so um, I'd say the best early indicator is like, get the right scorecard in place, get the right cadence for evaluating performance, and then like scientifically review it with that team member and, and mm. the indicators will be there. Um, because by, I think by the time you're getting to the point of resentment of like, ah, oh, this person isn't pulling their weight or like those emotional indicators, it's, it's a little bit late. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And I know, um, recently we talked about like the alignment is everything. I think alignment is like it, when it comes to your people, when it comes to you, your role within it, and just having, like you said, that feedback loop that allows you to see that misalignment um, and the processes that would remind you of when that's happening. And to, to add that on a really meta level, like alignment for yourself too. Cause I think that was like a big lesson that you had learned recently is like some of the business in and of itself wasn't in alignment with the way that you and the way that you want to build. And so I know that that was kind of like another huge lesson that you learned recently that you've taken action on and made some adjustments in, in your life. So would, would love for you to maybe share a little bit about that too. And what your understandings have been about like letting go of some things that you were tied into and, and making decisions to be closer in alignment with you and what you want to do moving forward. Yeah, awesome. So um, when, I, when I say alignment, it's such, like, I think, a, a buzzword sometimes, but to me, that really means clarity in, in, a, in a vision in where I'm wanting to go in my life and that the things that I'm doing every day, every week, every month are actually the right things that are going to get me towards that vision. So that's like mm -hmm. the first piece of alignment. Two would be my, my values for myself of how I want to operate in, in my life and in my business. I'm hitting those and I'm not like compromising my values to, for, for some reason, that would be like the second piece of alignment. Um, and then the third would be like lifestyle. Am I, am I hitting the kind of life that I, that I want to live? So what I realized after seven years of being in the marketing industry and just like on this constant hamster wheel of trying to launch new offers and, and grow our business and serve the home service contractor industry what I realized was that I had kind of outgrown the business that we were in, not in the sense that like the business couldn't grow and, and be a very successful business, but in the sense that the vision that I had for my life and the values that I had and the kind of work that I wanted, that I want to do the way that I want to serve, that business was no longer the right vehicle to give me those things. And so mm. that's what misalignment looked like. And, um, 
obviously I didn't see that in the moment. I was so in it trying to solve these problems. And, and as we, one of the other mistakes we made was just we scaled so quickly, way too quickly uh, out of greed, frankly, and trying to hit these really big revenue targets um, that I was so busy solving problems every single day um, that I couldn't see the bigger picture, which is, hey, I actually don't really want to be in this business anymore. And mm -hmm. my vision has changed. My values have changed. Um, how I want to serve the world has changed. And because I couldn't see that and I was holding on to that vehicle out of scarcity and fear of like, what else am I going to do? Or yeah, identity. This far, I have uh, identity, right? Like, what am I? Who am I? Um, that's when it really started to, to hurt me, right? That's when I started to dread going to work every day. That's when I started to like burn out and have problems with hormones and like my, my physical health because I was holding on to this vehicle that wasn't aligned anymore. Um, and it got so bad, it was like costing me my health and my happiness. Um, and I just kind of hit, hit rock bottom one day, I hit a wall as like, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm not doing this anymore. Um, and then within the next seven days, we, we shut the company down. Seven days. Okay. So zoom in there a little bit. Like what was the, so obviously you had this, like, like it was probably like a slow bleeding, but then it started to get more and more profuse as time went on. And you realize it just kind of like got to a point where it was too overwhelming, but like, let's say someone's listening to this right now and their business isn't bringing them the level of fulfillment that they're looking for. Maybe someone's in a job that's not in, in alignment yet. And they're kind of making that jump. Like what was that conversation like in your head during those seven days? Like what were some of the thought exercises or like things that you were kind of doing to assess? Because that was no easy decision, I'm sure for you. So like, how did you, what was, what were you doing? What was that conversation like in your head? Yeah. Um, honestly, there was, there was like a lot of cognitive dissonance, right? I was like caught between the identity and the and world that I had created for myself, which was building and running and this company and having this team and this mission and the goals and everything. And then I was caught between like the emerging vision and, and, and kind of desires or even calling that I felt to do something different, something more aligned, if you will. Um, and it was not comfortable. I was like caught in the middle. I was feeling guilty for wanting to do anything different. I was feeling like obligated to my team. I was feeling, um, like I was letting my clients down. I was letting down the people that believed in me, um, you know, in, investors and business partners. And, and uh, yeah, I put a lot of pressure on myself, put a lot of meaning to following through on the original plan that I had, I had set. And uh, it was not a comfortable time. I wish I could say there was like a graceful thought process that I went through to like sure. determine that this was the right decision, but there really wasn't. And it took me having the right mentors around me that are much older with many more gray hairs than I have that were able to be objective enough with me and call me out and be like, the cost now is greater than the benefits. And if you keep going down this path, you are going to become more and more sick. You're going to become more and more unhappy and you need to like rip the bandaid off now. Um, and so I just kind of trusted that these, you know, these mentors and it felt right in my body. It felt like the right decision. And, um, and despite all of the impact of, of making that decision, you know, teams and clients and 
like I said, investors and stuff. Um, I just made the decision, pulled the plug. And correct me if I'm wrong, or what was the, when you say pull the plug, it was you had decided to exit or you decided to sell or you decided to just shut it down. What was the final decision that you made? Yeah. So the decision was that we were going to, we're going to shut down the company. We're going to cease operations and uh, do our best to, to rehome uh, the, the team and the clients and uh, take care of everybody that needed to be taken care of um, hmm. while taking care of myself. Yeah, the, uh, definitely not an uh, easy situation to be going through. And you alluded to a, a few things throughout this story and this journey that I think are really important for anyone to listen to and, and dive in deeper. You had mentioned burnout a few times, and I know I actually listened to an interview that you had conducted with your health coach um, or, or one of the doctors that was working with you. And you have now have a system in place that kind of prevents you from going down that route again. And so you talked about earlier about like your body was literally shutting down, not functioning the way it was supposed to. Um, so obviously anybody listening would want them to be able to detect some of those early warning signs or preventatively prevent themselves from getting in some of those situations. So, so what were some of the key insights that you had in like going through that downturn and some of the things that you've kind of put in place to prevent the health side of the, the craziness that can happen in this entrepreneurial journey sometimes? Yeah. So I guess some of the key insights were, I mean, there's so much like disagreement about the word or the topic burnout. Some people like it doesn't exist. It's not real. It's in your head. And then people like it's real. And um, I guess what I've, what I've come to see about burnout is that I believe it's real. I have the tests that prove that you know, within two years, my testosterone level had dropped 30%. My hormones were all out of balance just from that constant fight or flight stress state, right? So, um, but at its root, that I think really had originated in my mind, right? It was like the perception, it was it was a mindset issue um, that caused it. So it's real, but it also is caused by your your perception and your beliefs. And um, so that was powerful to, to realize that, hey, I'm causing this because of how I'm perceiving the situation and that I actually need to go inside and do a lot more work on my beliefs and my perceptions and um, just my general mindset of how I'm approaching business. Um, and one of the other things that I, I did a lot when we built that business was I sacrificed a lot of things in my life, like relationships with my family, sleep, physical health and well-being, um, romantic relationships even like hobbies and things that give me energy um, just for business. And that's not something that I'm going to ever do again to that extent, right? Yes, there'll be brief periods of time where it's like a sprint, it's focused, but it's a lot more intentional and measured yeah. now. And I have like the checks and balances in place to on a quarterly basis, reevaluate, hey, where am I actually putting my energy and am I taking energy from these other things? And how long can I do that until there's too big of a cost? And so mm -hmm. I'd say I'm just getting a lot better at managing my, my, my energy. Um, yeah, it was, it was insightful when I first saw the, the doctor and I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, I'm tired. I'm irritable. I'm angry. I'm not sleeping. I can't get erections. Like I've got digestive issues. It's like, what's going on with me, doc? And when we did all those tests and he was able to explain what was happening, it was a lot of relief of like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. There's, there's something real here. I thought it was just all in my head.
No, that's huge. And I think I, one of the people that came on the show recently, I think this is the conversation that I had was uh, Marty Cooper. He was the guy that in, invented the cell phone and was talking about how like society, like where we're going in the future with our healthcare system. And if you look at our healthcare today, we don't have a healthcare system. We have a sick care system is what he was talking about. And so yeah. it's, it's super powerful that you've been able to take these tests. And this is something that I definitely want to get into more. It's like, we shouldn't be just going to a doctor once a year for a checkup, like, <laughs> you know, like understanding yeah. these different levels that empowers you to make more effective decisions. I was listening to, now I'm tying just a bunch of things that are coming in my head. Christina Wise, she came on my show. She was going through some health health issues. Um, and I was listening to an episode that she did with her doctor, very similar to yours. And he's talking about like, you know, we make all these decisions about like buying a car or investing in a home, but at the end of the day, like your body is your home for life. There is nothing that there's nothing yes. that you, you can't get away from living inside of this thing. You know, you can get rid of a car, you can get rid of your home. But at the end of the day, like this vehicle that we need to be a steward of and take care of, like we should be taking tests. We should have people that are holding us accountable and um, understanding some of the early indicators of being misaligned with the way that your, your body is. And it seems like and just my my relationship with you as we've continued to to chat, it's like you've gotten really in touch with your body and like knowing when something is wrong. Like and, and just I think that we don't do a good job of societally just like listening to our bodies leading and lagging indicators of misalignment or yeah. issues that we might be having. So that's really cool. And and I admire totally. you for being able to do that. <laughs> Thanks, man. And yeah, like the mindset for me was like just push through, just go harder. Like when you get to that next revenue goal or that next business goal, like you'll have the time or the money to like deal with this and it doesn't matter now. And um, that that mindset I think needs to shift a little bit. That's shifted yeah. majorly for me. So if there's anybody out there listening that you're like dealing with these things and you think you just got to push through, um, you might want to reevaluate that because I think that we can only go so long in a, in a misaligned way or just in an unbalanced way before eventually there's like, there's a cost. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, there's, there's another topic that I, I kind of want to dive into a little bit with you because I haven't explored it yet on the show. And I know that you found it to be very transformational for you. Uh, but that is psychedelics. And so this is kind of in my mind related to this, this topic of, um, understanding yourself, your body and some of your programming before. And so, um, I know you've had some very positive life changing impact of like working with psychedelics in the right way. And maybe if you could share some of the experiences that you've had with that. Yeah. So uh, probably my first experiences actually are either in my mom's womb <laughs> or as a very young kid, uh, because my, my father is actually a, uh, uh, a shaman and has worked with certain like sacred medicines from mm. uh, South America for many, many years. And so growing up, I remember like sitting around the ceremony fire, while people are working with these these ancestral sacred medicines and i was just like chilling i was around the fire i was like camping um so i, I have some of those, those early memories um probably the most powerful psychedelic experience that i've had there's two that come to mind one was with ayahuasca in maybe three four years ago and that experience really showed me how thought heavy and analytical I was mm. because I, I couldn't break out of my, my head 
and out of the thought loops. I got stuck in these thought loops, which is like spinning, spinning, spinning the same thoughts. And I, I felt like I was going crazy and I just couldn't get away from my thoughts. And it was a very uncomfortable experience. It was, it was not pleasant. It was not a beautiful, blissful experience. But what I got out of that was, wow, dude, you are really in your head. And that's causing you to have a lot of anxiety and fear and inability to connect with people and be present and just be happy. So that was a, that was a good uh, teacher for me in, in that experience. And um, one of the more recent psychedelic experiences I had was, was with a, a medicine called Bufo, uh, also known as 5-MeO-DMT. And uh, that's, it's actually from a toad from, uh, I think it's from Mexico. And uh, that was so powerful. You, you smoke it and you basically blast off. I don't know how else to say it. Like you leave your body, you you forget that you have a body, you forget your sense of identity, and you're just this, I guess, perception experiencing these incredible visuals and, and beautiful like fractal patterns. Um, and I just felt this in, incredible sense that I was loved, that mm. like I was completely loved entirely every fiber of Waira was loved and I was worthy and good enough for that love. Um, mm. And that was such a powerful experience because so much of my life I had felt unworthy of love uh, that, that I started crying. I just like cried for like the whole experience, just letting go of all this grief and, and um, I guess old stories, beliefs that I was unworthy of love. And so uh, I can still now access that feeling, which is the really cool thing, right? Because I think that psychedelics are, they're a doorway, right? I don't think they're the full answer. I think they're a doorway to show you things about yourself that you might not be able to see as easily in mm. our kind of conscious, fully conscious state. Um, but the real work is like, after that experience, what are you doing to integrate that to learn from that to reconnect with that feeling and so it's been really powerful for me because i've been able to reconnect with that feeling of love and like just bliss and, and joy through meditation um that i that i had in that in that uh, bufo experience um so I'm, I'm working on that every day like one or two hours a day just in meditation just sitting down and how can i just feel love and i'm just sitting there just like smiling it's it's mm. it's incredible it's I'm so grateful for for those experiences. That's beautiful. I, I I don't know how often I've talked about this like throughout interviews, but like I have been my entire life, like I have been very drug averse. Like I've never I've never smoked weed. I've never been drunk. Part of it is I'm like literally allergic to alcohol. So <laughs> I'll give me one drink and I like get all red. My my ears are all. But like I think it's really cool. Just like I'm, I'm open to the consideration uh, of of these experiences. So like I don't know, I just have to do more work on myself on that for. But I think it's so cool because our brains are literally filtering mechanisms. Like most people are not aware of your feet on the ground right now, or the shirt on your back, or you know the the sensation of your breathing. And so it's like our brain is filtering out all this shit. And like when you have this experience of a drug that like removes some of those like realities that that really allows you to see things or feel things on a way that you haven't been before that to me is just infinitely interesting and um it just your willingness to experiment with this kind of stuff and take it as a really transformational experience and be very intentional about it just 
shows at a really deep level, your desire to have deep transformational experiences and be someone that puts yourself in an open state as much as possible, whether through be through conversations or the, the different, um, psychedelics that you may choose to use or the different work that you're invested in. So that's, that's absolutely incredible. I know, uh, why we're, we're kind of coming up on time, but this maybe is a good place to talk about some of the, the transitions that you are making now and the work that you're doing today. So we kind of got this full picture of Wyra being this, you know, kid that threw up this armor in high school and was bullied and picked on and found entrepreneurship and had a DJ business and grew a $4 million a year marketing agency and decided to uh, move that out. And I think that one of the things that you you're doing now is you're kind of designing again with intention about like the things that are really important for you. And so we talked a little bit about men's work earlier, but maybe kind of lay some things together. What are some of the things that you're up to these days that, that gets you really, really excited? And then, so my, my days right now are, are really focused on two things. One is, uh, uh, consulting with other, agencies or specifically another agency that I was able to take all those lessons, all those mistakes, all those failures that we had in our agency and coach these really awesome founders that I'm now partners with into scaling their business. And so that business has done really, really well the last couple of years. We just had an amazing growth rate um, and it's just going to much bigger places. So I spent a lot of time with those guys working uh, deeply with them and their leadership team. And, uh, and then my main focus right now is at the Entrepreneur Brotherhood. Uh, so it's a, a company and organization that, that we've started and our mission statement is to really help online entrepreneurs and entrepreneur men scale their businesses and reach their full potential in all areas of their life, not just in business, not being that one-legged chair like I was that you know hits the, the million-dollar revenue goals, but really men that, that are all-encompassing, that have incredible relationships, that have a deep connection to spirituality that uh, are focused on making an impact and a difference in the lives of others that have deep and deep and meaningful uh, community and, and friendships with their, uh, their, their friends and their closest community. Um, these are the things that, that I'm really passionate about because this is, I guess what I'm working on in my own life is like, I'm building this in my own life. So um, mm -hmm. I'm helping the guys in our brotherhood uh, also uh, build that into into their lives and really reach their full potential. Yeah. Well, if you're listening, you probably can understand why why we're not connected so well. It's just <laughs> literally like exactly like my my whole vision for this show was like bringing on incredibly successful people. And as I go on my entrepreneurial journey and build an alignment with my values of prioritizing happiness, health, and relationships, like how do you do that? And so if you're looking for another person that is doing that, Ben, uh, and, and is guiding some other people through that journey as he continues to learn, make sure you go check out the Entrepreneur Brotherhood, and uh, we'll make sure we have that linked up in the in the show notes and stuff. Um, where you got, a, you got time for like one or two more questions that we can start wrapping things up. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. Um, so, uh, just a few kind of fun things on lifestyle. Cause we, now we're at this point where we've talked about some of the stuff that you're up to. You're, I, you're always in a new location. Every time I talk to you, you're in Colombia now, last time I talked, at least last week you were in Colombia. So <laughs> I would love for you to share a little bit about your life as being a full-time nomad and maybe some of the experiences, uh, that, that being able to be fully nomadic has been able to provide to you. I mean, in, uh, 2021 pandemic had started. I was living in Vancouver, Canada. It was rainy. It was cold. It was gray. It was wet. I was depressed. And I had this realization of like, I work online. I could be anywhere I want. Why am I choosing to be here? And <laughs> that kind of hit me. And I ended up giving away all of my belongings and packed a suitcase and a backpack and moved to Mexico. 
Uh, and since then, it's been pretty much full time uh, traveling around to different places. I've spent a lot of time in Mexico and Colombia. Uh, I'm going to be heading to Europe this summer. And uh, probably one of my favorite, favorite experiences as a nomad has been the awesome community that I get to meet when I go to these different nomad spots and get to connect with other people that are like-minded, that left their countries, that see the world as kind of their playground in some ways. Um, and so that's super cool. They're like dinners and sunsets and random beach adventures that I've had just through meeting people that way. Um, and man, some of this is like such a beautiful world. This planet is so beautiful. Like some of the reefs and the ocean and mountains. And it's like just breathtaking, man. When I see those landscapes, it's like, it's awe-inspiring. Mm. We'll have to, after we finish recording, Lee and I just booked a trip to go to Florence and Barcelona in May this year. So nice. if that can time up where if we end up in, in Europe together at some point, maybe we can figure out a way to make that happen. That'd be super sweet, but that's cool. incredible, man. I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Travel has absolutely transformed my life. And like, you forget how much of a bubble we live in when we can only see one cultural yes. lens and like when you have the opportunity to just on a daily basis, just I miss hearing other languages. Like that's the that's the biggest thing is like when I'm back in the States, I'm just hearing all these American languages. But like I love sitting in cafes and having no idea what the fuck anyone is saying <laughs> and just kind of being yeah. a part of that and be like, wow, it's just it's just really cool to experience those. And especially the favorite like. I get, let me let me ask one other thing. So I'll, I'll share really quick and I'll buy you some time. I want to hear if you've had any really cool cultural experiences. So like specifically like a ceremony or like some other thing that you've experienced. So I'll plant that seed and I'll share really quickly. One of my favorites was in Bali. Um, they do this thing called an Ogo Ogo Parade. Um, and so basically it's their new year. And what they do is they spend months building these gigantic demons. Like I shit you not, like massive requires 30 people to build. Somebody should go YouTube it, go YouTube Ogo Ogo parade. And like, they literally take each village builds a demon and they parade it around like these gigantic crowds. And this is in Asia where there's like the safety level is very, very minimal. So they're like yeah. lighting fireworks off in like the middle of these gigantic <laughs> crowds and there's gigantic demons. And then the next day, is their day of silence and meditation. So they literally burn these demons. They burn them up. And then the next day is like no internet, no electricity. It's just a day of silence and meditation. They don't even allow flights in to the country. And so like, I just sitting in those, in that area with like these gigantic demons in the middle of Bali was like this really crazy experience. I'm curious if you've had anything like that that's really stood out for you. <laughs> that's so cool, man. Um, Probably one of my, my more recent ones was uh, in Guatape, Colombia. It's in the mountains outside of Medellin. And uh, we met this really cool guide uh, who wanted to take us in the jungle to, or the, the forest, to some of his favorite uh, waterfalls that were completely off the map. You had to be a local to know. He'd grown up there. And uh, yeah, he like took us hiking through through the forest. At one point, we had to cross a river. So we had to take all of our shoes off and it was like pouring rain. And we just walked barefoot through the forest for probably 30 minutes after that and came out of this huge waterfall. Uh, and it was just, is incredible. And uh, yeah, that was, that was probably one of my, my highlight experiences because I had actually never just walked barefoot, barefoot. through the hmm. rainforest before. It was like, this feels so primal and raw. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was cool. That's super cool. Yeah. Those local experiences, like you don't find that shit on TripAdvisor. 
<laughs> yeah, it's no, like those exactly. are the those are the, but those are the times when you're kind of worrying slightly about your life because you found this dude on the corner that's like taking you in the middle of a rainforest. But sometimes those are the best experiences <laughs> if they if yeah, they turn out awesome. So yeah, yeah, I love that man. Well, awesome. Well, I I, I always love concluding on uh, a final question, and then everybody can find out. We can find out more about all the where people can explore the work that you're doing these days and connect with you. But the question I love asking all my guests when I get a chance is what does happiness mean to you today? So I would love to hear what your definition of happiness is, Waira. Yeah, cool. I thought about this one a lot. It gave me a a heads up. It was coming. Um, for, For me, happiness is the result of internal and external factors. Internal is positive emotions like gratitude, joy, abundance, love, and just having those in my life. I do that every single day in meditation. I just get into those states. But I don't see happiness as just an emotion in and of itself. So the external factors for me are are like how well or how much am I serving and giving that that love, that joy, that abundance to other people, whether that's through my work and the entrepreneurs that we coach, or whether that's just having a conversation with a, a local in Colombia and getting to know them in their life. It's like, how am I really giving that that energy to the world? And so I, I think happiness is like the result of two of those two things happening concurrently. And they're like a flywheel that feeds each other. The more that you connect with that, that energy, that joy, that love internally, the more you give, the more you give, it feeds that internal. Um, and to me, happiness is the the state of that flywheel running. That's beautiful. It's a infinity loop. That's, that's, I don't want to add any, I don't want to add anything on top of that. Cause that was so awesome. So besides the fact, where can people explore more of the work that you're doing and connect with you and connect with, and, and, and have a conversation with Waira, <laughs> where do they go? Yeah. So probably Facebook, if you want to, if you're a social media person, connect with me on Facebook, uh, Waira Mendoza Angle. I'm sure you'll drop the links. We also have a free community for entrepreneur men called the Entrepreneur Brotherhood. You can look that up on Facebook as well. It's a group who uh, facilitate a lot of really cool conversations and trainings and resources in there. Uh, And then you can find us at the entrepreneurbrotherhood.com. Love that. Beautiful. Well, I'm just going to really quick have a conversation with you listening right now. And I just want to say, you could be listening to any other podcast. You could be doing anything else, but you chose to hang out with Waira and myself today. And for that, I am ridiculously grateful. Uh, I, I know after I say this at the end of every interview, but I don't get sick of saying it because podcasts have absolutely transformed my life. And like, there's something in here that can literally transform their life and prevent someone from maybe making some of the mistakes that, that Wyra made, or maybe it's just like listening to Wyra's story. He's so open and so vulnerable. And like, sometimes we don't get a chance to like connect with people that are really willing to share those internal demons and like how they've kind of battled them. So maybe, maybe if this resonated with you on a deep level, or if you have a friend that you think is in a situation that Wyra has been able to make it through, like if you share this with them, I guarantee there's something that 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 is in today's conversation that could lead to an adjustment in their business an adjustment in their mindset an adjustment in their health that could really be a lead domino. So it would make my day and it would make Wyra's day. If you just took a second to share this with somebody that you love, that you want to make a difference with. And uh, I appreciate you listening so much. You really are what makes this possible. And uh, Wyra, any final things that you want to say before we head off today? Oh man, just grateful for you and having me on and the work that you're doing. You're hosting some amazing conversations and uh, it's really, really cool. Really believe in the the mission and the work that you're doing. So keep it up, man. 
appreciate it so much, brother. And we'll talk to you very soon. Take care.